You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Good afternoon, good morning. It's episode 27 of Across the Romaverse with myself and Stephen. We are joining you right after the Roma-Verona game of this past weekend. And it was a clean sweep for all of Roma's teams this week. But uh, there was also some background drama with it being the, the end of the transfer window. We're now in the 1st of February. The window is, uh, is about to close shut. So we'll sum up everything that Roma has gotten done on and off the pitch today. Um, but First of all, our showpiece match was obviously the Roma men's team going up against Hellas Verona. And Roma coming off a heart palpitating, in, uh, sorry, inducing 4-3 victory over Spezia. That same, that same win where he, Lorenzo Pellegrini, peeled off with the winner in the, in the injury time of that game, wearing the captain's armband. And uh, you saw the hug on the touchline from Paolo Fonseca in that match. It just showed you the whole story of how much pressure that took off the Roma coach in the hot seat right now. Um, but nonetheless, despite that victory, this past week saw rumors, persistent rumors of Edin Dzeko about to leave the club. Those rumors would not die down, but surprise, surprise, Dzeko's exit never happened. Roma's talisman is still here. He's staying put. And he's been welcoming new players to the club this week even. We'll get into that later. But uh, yeah, the generosity would have to go onto the pitch, uh, ignoring these stories of a deteriorating dressing room, and they'd have to avoid slipping up against a tough, tough, cagey Verona side. You know, we, we built them up this past week. Uh, Steve has particularly been focused on how they have the best or joint best defensive record in the league. Um, so, you know, we know that it's the same Verona side that kicked off the match day one um, at home to, to Roma and that ended up in a goalless draw on the pitch. Obviously, it ended up in a 3-0 loss to, against Roma off the pitch after events surrounding Diwara's registration and Diwara's registration that match. So, could Roma get revenge, so to speak, over Verona for the early season uh, loss by default? Roma needed, needed this win. They needed, you know, forget revenge, they just needed the three points because they were kicking off late on Sunday evening after witnessing wins by Milan, Inter, Juve, Napoli and Lazio, to, main, to name a few. And we're starting to see the top seven of the Serie A table finally break away into some sort of a, a leading pack now after a very strange season where the whole top of the table has been jumbled up for a while. But Roma needed this win to, to stay in within the top four. Um, they 
before the match, they kicked off welcoming Henrik Mkhitaryan and Gianluca Mancini back to the starting eleven, while Edin Dzeko, Pedro, and Antonio Morante made uh, remained out on the sidelines injured with various problems. If you really believe Edin Dzeko still has an injury at this point, um, the final score yesterday was Roma three, Hellas Verona one. So. After all that worrying we we did uh, about uh, Verona not conceding goals and maintaining a stingy defence, it turned out that uh, the first 15 minutes were touch and go, but eventually Roma really turned on the aggression and scored three goals within nine minutes of play from the 20th to the 29th minute. Um, it, first of all, the opener came from a Gianluca Mancini header from a corner, and we love set pieces at Hedicato Zitotti, so good to see Roma dispatching and breaking open score lines with, uh, with offensive corners. Uh, Lorenzo Pellegrini on the delivery there, after Bohard uh, Meral had won the corner originally from open play. And then uh, after Mancini's opener came Henrik Mkhitaryan with a goal, another goal for the season, his ninth of the season so far. Um, just two minutes later, the 22nd minute, it was assisted by Borja Meral, though the full story is that Meral was put through on goal, and some would criticise him for not being able to beat Silvestri himself, but Meral improvised, turned around, found the Qatarian, and uh, fed it back to him, and the Armenian came up with a, a hell of a tricky finish, a really good finish. We'll talk about it uh, in detail in, after this, this little summary here. And then seven minutes after that, Roma sitting pretty. In the 29th minute, Borja Meral finally did get on the score sheet. He was the first to react to a, a long shot that was parried by Silvestri straight to his feet from point-blank range, and he made no mistake. The Spaniards got on the scoreline. Uh, that keeps his uh, minutes-per-goal ratio at 81 minutes after this match. Despite playing the full, full match, he's, he's kept his ratio at the same rate. Um, an assist and a goal for Borja Meral. I mean, he, this guy's on fire. But uh, that all led to Roma going to halftime at 3-0 up. But obviously, with such a large scoreline at halftime, you know about the second half if you've seen it. And uh, we won't probably won't spend too much time going in depth on it today because it was a classic second half where Roma took their foot off the gas. I don't blame them for it. Some people do. We'll get into it later. But uh, it, that led to Verona with the... the the dying down pace of the game, Verona managed to get back into this match, getting on the score sheet in the 61st minute, first minute, sorry, when Ibrima Cole uh, headed home, uh, just ghosting in behind Gianluca Mancini, and uh, that would ruin Roma's clean sheet for the day. But that would be the final result because that turned out to be Verona's only shot on target that for the whole game. So, what is the end result? Today, we're talking about a Roma that remains third in the table. Talking about a Roma that remains one point ahead of Juventus, and guess what? Juventus are next week's opponents, which sets us up very nicely for next week's match preview. Steve, what do you make of all of this? Well, I'm certainly feeling good today. Uh, you know, the day after Roma took it to Verona, really, for those first 45 minutes. I mean, three goals in, in nine minutes against uh, a defense that was joint best in the league, uh, joint with Juventus, yeah. having played one more match than Juventus, too, on top of that. So they're their goals per game when, is actually slightly lower than Juve heading in. When 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 things like that happen, are you are you more happy as a Roma fan, or do you have your head in the hands as a as an expert predictor, being worried about the clean sheet for games? <laughs> um, you know, I was I was worried about Verona coming in because we saw them the first match. Obviously, first match Roma was a little rusty coming back into the season after 
the abbreviated summer break and not a full training camp and all that stuff. Um, but we've seen Verona just last week handle Napoli, and I believe it was 3-1 yeah. was the final scoreline in that match. So, yeah. you know, the, like you had mentioned, they're a cagey side. They defend very well. Um, you know, Silvestri didn't have his best, best game. Uh, some people were calling it uh, an audition of sorts because he has been linked with <laughs> Roma uh, for the summer. Uh, if Roma goes in that direction, we don't know. That might depend on what their finances are like. They might go for a more high-profile keeper if they're, you know, a Champions League qualifier. Yeah, if, he, if he really wants to audition, he could just waive his signing on fee and, you know, just yeah. join, on, join on free transfer. That would help. Yeah, that would certainly help. Um, but, you know, overall, good. I mean, to see Roma bang in three goals in nine minutes, I was, I was you know, very happy. I was over the moon uh, for that short period of time because – very unexpected. I thought if Roma was going to win this one, it was going to be like a one nothing, maybe a two one or something, where they, you know, find a second goal late in the match when Verona's trying to counter or something and and yep. get a goal of their own. So um, three goals has to have them feeling good heading into that Juve match, um, you know. And we'll talk more about Mayoral later, but uh, he's got to be feeling really good about himself. He was involved in all three goals in the build up, yeah. a couple, and then finishing off the third. So you know if he is the starter come Saturday, which, you know, I, I would expect he is at this point, considering the whole Jekko situation and all that, all else that's going on, you know, he, he's put himself in a position where he can be confident in himself going against Juventus, you know, going against the defending yeah. champs. So I, I, I have to be honest, I wasn't confident about Roma winning this match either. Yeah. I, I really was ready for any result, uh, a win or a draw, or even maybe a, a shock loss, but um, I, w- I was so euphoric by halftime, even though I-, I managed to miss most of the game, but I was there for the r- final result and I was, I was euphoric by, um, by yeah, by the flurry of goals but at halftime and-, and also the final whistle of the result that I actually, um, I got caught up in like things that I'd bought off Amazon and I was like redecorating my room and uh, <laughs> by the final-, final whistle, I was just like so happy and, and like almost even dancing around my bedroom. And then, uh, you know, I, like I was in that mindset where I was like, oh, everything's going so well, you know, the day's done for the night. So I go, I go to bed eventually and um, I'm just like, you know, chilling like as if like I've done everything for the day and I get an email from Bren. Uh, thank God I, I didn't attempt, put my phone onto flight mode at that point because I, I, I wouldn't have caught it. But he emailed me saying, hey, uh, Sean, just to ask you, are you going to? Do are you going to write up the highlights post for this match, or or should I do it? And, and <laughs> I, said, I said, sorry, Brendan, you know, I was just, I was just, I got caught up so much, and I just, I don't know, I just completely forgot. So I jumped up out of bed, did it. Um, but yeah, that that was the the impact of this result for me in terms of expectations versus final result. I was just, yeah, I was really happy to see Roma come through this test. Yeah, and this isn't a, a quote-unquote big club. Like, we've talked about Roma struggles against big clubs, but this is the highest, uh, you know, place team we've seen them beat so far. I, I believe Hellas is yeah. uh, joint eighth right now with Sassuolo, I'm pretty sure, or maybe ninth. But yeah. it's the first time they've beaten somebody uh, in the single digits in the standing. So it's <laughs> in the right direction, I guess, in those terms, because we've seen them struggle yeah. against all of the other six, you know, bigger sides, as well as Sassuolo and Hellas. So three points against yeah. a, a team in the top half. So certainly positive yeah. and done in an impressive way. I just, I want to take a, a brief break from the, the, the men's uh, story for a minute, just to update on the, the rest of the club. Uh, it was a full weekend of wins because Roma Primavera won 4-0 earlier in the day with uh, 
Ibrima Daboy opening the scoring, Ruben Providence getting 2-0, and then Milanese, Tommaso Milanese, who everyone knows after his senior debut this, this year, getting on the score sheet, and Pogdoriano as well. Uh, so nice 4-0 win, but after the game, uh, Alberto De Rossi had uh, praise and and honest criticism to hand out to Ruben Providence, who I saw play last week, uh, not this game, but last week, and uh, he looks three times the player he was this time last year. You know, Providence, it looked like he was a bit of a bust, uh, after being signed from PSG, but uh, this year he really, really looks like uh, just a, a kid who needed time to, to get his feet under the table in Rome. And uh, but Alberto De Rossi has confessed after the game that he Providence drives him mad with his dribbling. It's true that Providence spends a lot of time trying to beat his, his man down that left wing, but he does it well. So I, I personally normally I'd, I'd criticize someone for being a, a bit of a lone star, but uh, he does it, he does it well in this team. And uh, on the Roma women's side, the women's team had the first leg of their Coppa Italia, um, I believe it's the quarterfinal, against Florentia, Florentia San Gimignano, where they played the away leg and they came out 4-0 winners, which makes the second leg a bit of a dull affair to come up. But uh, yeah, that was uh, that had um, Paloma Lazzaro coming, getting back on the score sheet, her first goals finally breaking her little, her little drought in uh, 2021 by getting her first goals of this year. Um, and Sertorini also blasted past and scored one. I, I forget who scored the fourth. But um, some more news from the Roman women's team today is that they've just signed on the last day of the, the window, Maria Banosic, a Swedish-Croat striker from Montpellier. And even though Banosic is 25 and has a fairly impressive CV of clubs on the, on the list, including Chelsea and Montpellier, uh, both leagues are at a higher level than, than Serie A right now. Um, it's uh, She hasn't really, really cracked the first team, either in France or in England. So this is a signing that's very similar to Lindsay Thomas, if you if you follow the women's team, in that she's, you know, she's talented, she's in her prime, but she's a bit of a reclamation project for Roma. So still Roma going out without the star striker signing that some people really, really claim would put this team over the top and, and really have them as title contenders really and truly for next season. But uh, yeah, that wraps up the business for um, for the other teams. Although I, sh- I should mention, well, we'll get into it later when we talk about it in Jacko. But yeah, there's another piece of news there in terms of the Primavera. He's, he's been he's been playing the role of model captain this week in, in more ways than one. But uh, yeah, Steve, let's get into the key moments of um, uh, Roma Verona yesterday where it wasn't all... So smiles and smiles and sunshine. Yeah, despite the three-one win, we had the, the background story of Chris Smalling coming off injured in the twelfth minute with a, I believe it was a muscle fatigue in, in his in one of his legs. Uh, we're still waiting for the confirmation of test results first after he's been out to Villa Stuart today. But uh, in his place, we saw Max Kumbula, Mad Max, enter to the to the, to the defence, and uh, Roger Banya shifted to centre. It was yet again the return of the young trio centre backs, uh, the eldest being Gianluca Mancini. So, um, what, who, who do you favour for starting against next week? In Juve, what, what do you make? Can they do without Smalling, or, or do they need them back as soon as possible? So, um, you know, they played well yesterday. All three played well. We mentioned that Roma held hell uh, to just one shot on target and uh, just a handful of shots overall. I believe I, I don't think they even got to double digits in shots. I think it was like six or seven. Um, I thought Ibanez was very impressive yesterday. He he 
kind of look like the Ibanez we've come to to love over the past few months or so, the past half season, I guess you can say back to the summer. Um, yeah. And Mancini had a very strong performance as well. Um, we'll get more into his performance in the key players uh, also. So I won't go too much into it now, but I, I think those two have to be favored if Smalling is fit with Smalling. If not, then it's, then it's Kambul. And I think Ibanez shifts the middle. I, I would prefer the three youngsters over Cristante at center back at this point, even though that could be a thought in Fonseca's mind as well, because uh, you might want to avoid three youngsters against a team like Juve. But, yeah. uh, you know, Cristante, when he excels in the back, it's more where he can, you know, shoot the ball at the back and help Roma counter, things like that. So it, it would be a bit of a risk. But, um, I mean, I think they could do it. But it would would be tough. They would uh, certainly need some help from the midfield because you're going to be worried about players like Ronaldo coming down their throat. And, you know, Morata has been pretty good this year. So it would certainly be a different different task. It is worth mentioning that Brian Cristante does bring that that defensive presence against the long ball over the top and and the aerial threat. So Mm -hmm. you could could be defending against that Cristiano Ronaldo equalizer that we saw in the the first half of the season. Yeah, and I also wonder, even if they did go with the three youngsters, if maybe you do go with a Cristante in midfield to Mm. uh, give a little more solidity than a Gonzalo Villar would offer. Um, Mm. You know, that could be a possibility too, where you go with more of the hardworking midfield of Cristante and Vertu, but I think it all depends on Smalling. How how would you feel with the three youngsters starting against Juve? I mean, I guess we have no choice. Personally, I I rate Chris Smalling as our best defender in terms of if you if you take away the the ball playing aspect mm-hmm. of it, just in terms of outright defense, I I put Smalling in the first team every time. I even saw Bren tweet out yesterday that his team A was uh, the young trio and Chris Smalling would be on the B team, and I just felt that I I mean that. I disagree put it that way <laughs> so um i yeah I, if smalling was back and 100 fit i he'd make my starting lineup but we've seen this year that he, he's actually uh unfortunately now he's a permanent signing he, he's actually run up against injury problems persistent ones all season long so i don't i don't know what's up with him i don't know if he's being rushed back by fonseca each time or what um if he's not fit or if there's any kind of doubt of his health then i'm fine with the young trio center backs uh starting in i, I I think Kumbula started off the season much better than than he has been playing in the winter, but um, yeah, he didn't. Uh, he had a decent performance yesterday, so that he can get that under his belt and use that as confidence to go into the Juve game. Um, I think Roma can manage without Smalling. Um, I think our defense defensive problems are more in terms of how the defense relates to midfield, which we've talked about before, you know, defending as a team is the problem, not necessarily defending uh, in terms of not necessarily defending in the back line or the defenders themselves. Um, as long as they cut out those individual areas, areas sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think um, I had mentioned Cristante, his presence might also depend on who else is on the pitch because uh, if Roma is missing Smalling and potentially Jekko, and then it brings us to our next key moment, which is Lorenzo Pellegrini getting a yellow card in the 17th minute. Uh, he is now suspended for the Juventus match. He was one of five players on a, you know, yellow card warning, so to speak, heading into yesterday's match. And he got called for that yellow fairly early in the match. You could tell he knew he made a big mistake because he wasn't happy with the call. And I think he realized what was at stake when he did get that yellow card. So you know, Cristante might be needed for a leadership presence as well if that, that trio is is missing uh, mm. the next match. But how would you go about replacing Pellegrini against Juve? Because he's been so influential in the attacking midfield next to Mkhitaryan. He had another pretty strong match yesterday. Yeah. You know, Pedro is coming off an injury. We don't know if he'll be fit. 
Uh, El Shirari would be an option, but he hasn't had much game time in the past six months or so. So how would you go about replacing uh, Pellegrini in the next match? I'd, I'd use Villar at this point. I, I know it's been, it was a question that was touted towards Paolo Fonseca in the pregame conference uh, before Verona. And he, he mentioned it as an idea. He says it's a possibility to move Villar further up and play. Well, I was actually hoping he played Diwara deep next to Vertu, but he yesterday brought on Cristante as a substitute. So apparently he, he would, you know, as we're talking about right now, apparently he would go to Cristante Vertu in the, the double pivot or sort well, the, the not really much of a double double pivot at this point, but the two deep line midfielders would be them. And then I'd use Villar alongside uh, Mkhitaryan. I, I don't know how fit El Shwari is. If he's fully fit, then sure, um, put him in there because he's he, he's a goal threat. And if you want to get a goal out of nothing against Juventus, and he can do that. But uh, you know, all all things uh, all you know, all things notwithstanding, I I. I Personally, use VR to push him up front because, um, as as we talked about, his his defensive game still needs work. And yeah, that would that would be a nice way to mask his flaws if he could push up front and be more involved in in that area of the pitch. What about you? Yeah, I think that's a good point because I, I think against a team like Juve, those flaws or from being just a young player inexperienced could come to hurt Roma uh, in the midfield because we know what Juve possesses in terms of talent and attacking presence. Um, so it could be a good opportunity to slide VR into the attacking midfield just to see what he can offer there uh, with his mm-hmm. wall playing ability and and being able to hold on to possession without his defensive flaws um, coming to light as much against uh, a Juventus attack. Um, yeah. So, so, so know- I, mm-hmm. I, I was I was thinking about this before the game. Um, it's strange that we're, we're worried about attacking midfield depth this season. You know, I started off the season saying we had enough players, and then even. In, in the midseason, even I started to feel like, oh, we need an, we need an attack, another attack midfielder, or another forward. But having now signed Al Shawari, I mean, look for, for two two positions on the pitch, we've got Mkhitaryan, Pedro, Al Shawari, Carlos Perez, Lorenzo Pellegrini, and then when Zaniolo gets back, we'll have him as well. So that's six players vying for two two spots. Uh, yeah, we're not overly stacked there. Uh, what what point do we feel like we have two or three or four solid options in that, in that position that we, that we, right now we have six. Yeah. And I think what just us talking about VR as a potential player in that uh, attacking mid where maybe Fonseca goes to more of a three, five, two, since VR is a midfielder mm-hmm. uh, yeah. just brings to light the struggles of Carlos Pettis so far this season, because if Pettis yeah. playing halfway decent, I don't think it's even a conversation, um, yeah. you know, um, so that, that brings to light that I had seen his name swirling around as someone that one of the five players Pinto was looking to unload at least one of before the end of the transfer window today. I haven't seen mm-hmm. anything that has come to light with anybody outgoing. Um, I saw, I saw he, he apparently reportedly refused to move to La Liga today, back to La Liga. Mm. And he, he's been, he's dug his heels in and he's been insistent on staying in Roma uh, this January, even though he's had offers from Palma in the league yeah. and office from abroad so apparently he's, he's determined to make a second go of it yeah so this could be make or break you know last six months of the season mm-hmm. for his Roma career you know and then you know we've mentioned in the past Under and Kluiver aren't guaranteed to be sold this summer so could be a an, an interesting summer for Pinto in that position but yeah, yeah I think um, VR might might be the one that comes in and then you slide Cristante also into midfield um, yeah. could be the option, the route that he goes. Because I, I, you know, when the yellow card happened, I had tweeted out, oh, you know, 
SES might be getting his first Roma start sooner than we expected. But <laughs> thinking, then I thought about it after and seeing he hasn't played much in China in the past six months or so, I think it'd be a yeah. big ask to start him. But I do think we see him in the second half if Roma needs a goal. I think he is an option just to get into the team a bit and, and maybe create something. Um, right. You know, and, and needing goals wasn't something Roma had a problem with yesterday. We, we talked about how they hit Verona three times in quick succession. Uh, in a nine-minute span, Verona, like we mentioned, had one of the best defenses in the league. So it speaks to how good Roma's offense can be. They've got the third most goals uh, scored, 44 through 20 matches. So they're averaging more than two goals a match. Um, so in some ways, it's interesting we, we're discussing the attacking midfield. Um, but what do you what do you make of Roma's attack this season? I mean, this is, I guess, what we expected from Fonseca football. Yeah, we wanted a, a, a team that could create chances all around for everyone and we've seen that the, the goals have been spread around the team last season i think roma held the, the record in italy if if not around europe for um most different individual scorers in in a, in a, in a squad and uh yes yeah, it's, it's team football um so certainly it's not lacking in terms of chance creation and danger creation that 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 xg that goals expected for roma has always been high up there mm -hmm. even from fonseca year one even you know, to to Sorry, from Fonseca year zero last season to year one now. So it's just about being efficient in terms of converting those chances at a high enough rate where you're scoring you know, enough goals. Um, Roma have needed the goals this season because their defensive record is, is not great. Um, in I mean, we, we should be clear, in terms of end result, their defensive record is not great. In terms of um, defending as a team, they are actually decent in terms of um, they're, they're the top five in the league. But in terms of end result, like we said, like we discussed it last week, when when they concede chances, they clear they concede clear cut chances, and um, they they've conceded something like thirty three goals, I think, which is like mid table form yeah. for the team. Um, so Roma need the goals; they need they have been relying on outscoring opponents so far. Um, and I think a lot of it boils down to Henrik Henrik Mkhitaryan. We'll speak about him later on, but um, it's also just about how Fonseca has kind of pirated some Atalanta tactics or we should call them Serie A tactics where I was expecting him last season to stick to that plan where he normally has two men out wide which in this case the Spinazzola and Karstorp and, and they stick to that wide lane and no one else comes in that lane that they leave those lanes free for them to run up and down but what we see in this season is uh, I think has changed tact where he's, he's allowed Pedro and Mkhitaryan to actually move out wide sometimes early to drag uh, opponent, opposition defenders mm. out wide so that Spinazzola and Castle can cut inside and that's actually made Roma more more dangerous in terms of being more unpredictable so um, yeah I, I think it's a work in progress but it's it's certainly delivering the results that, that we expect what, what do you make of it? Who would you credit the most with uh, Roma's lethal touch? Yeah, I, I have to agree with what you're saying about the tactics um, because Spinazzola and Karsdorp I thought had strong matches again yesterday um, Spinazzola gave uh, Davide Fareone, the captain of Hellas, fits down the the left uh, attacking flank for Roma. Uh, another strong match for Spinozol. Not not as strong as some of the matches we've seen from a numbers standpoint, but he took mm -hmm. Fareone out of the offensive part of the game um, with his attacking down the left side because Fareone, his touches were not very high on the right side. Um, I had it pulled up here. He had only 34 touches down the right side, which is a fairly low number for uh, a wing back, you know, he plays a similar position yeah. to Karsdorp. Yeah. Um, and he only had a 50% passing accuracy, which speaks to what Spinozola did to him. 
Um, but yeah, I've noticed those inside inside runs from the fullbacks, like you've mentioned. I think it, it's been fun to watch because Roma, when they come at you, especially in the counterattack, they're so lethal with Mkhitaryan, and we've been talking about it all season. Um, and credit to players like Mkhitaryan who just finished goals. He misses some here and there. I remember, I think it was the Juve match in week two when he missed a couple chances that might have ended up costing Roma some points. But he he's been you know absolutely outstanding. Pellegrini's been outstanding. Um, and now Meyer all's really come on. So I, I, you have to credit the tactics. We also have to credit individual players really stepping yeah. up this year. I, I love seeing the goals spread around the way we see it. It's not just, you know, we're so Jekyll, a couple of years ago, we were so Jekyll relying on goals. It was frustrating to watch. And, you know, Roma were struggling to score if Jekyll didn't score. Now it's not like that anymore. And it mm. makes the team all the better for it, you know, and like you mentioned, if, if they can start to, you know, figure out some of those clear-cut chances they're giving up and give away a few less clear-cut chances, then we could be talking about a team that really can have a strong case for a top four because they'll win some of these matches against some of the better sides in the league. Um, yeah. You know, and, and the one chance they did give up yesterday to Coley was, uh, you know, one of those kind of clear-cut chances because Mancini lost his mark. It was one of those kind of more looping uh, crosses, I guess you can call it, and he kind of just drifted in behind Mancini. So those those kind of individual things come to light again uh not as much so in this match because it was a 3-1 match uh and that ended up being the only chance that Roma conceded on target which was huge so um one thing I like to see from them in the second half even though there were a few nervy moments here and there where like Verona was starting to pick up some steam they never really gave up those clear-cut chances yesterday do you did you see anything as an improvement yesterday do you think it was just maybe Verona doesn't have as much attacking quality as some other sides I was uh, I was actually just trying to trying to look up the uh, the XG from yes, uh, yesterday's match very quickly, but I'm, I've uh, it's not really taking me where I want to go on the web right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I I from what I saw of the match, and I'll be honest, I didn't see the whole match, but um, I I just saw a composed composed side, which is uh, mm-hmm. something that's nice to say about a team that's that's technically so young because I think what the, the most senior presence in the team was Mkhitaryan. Yeah. Um, so it was, um, yeah, I, I just, I, I, I don't know. You never really see clear cut chances coming the way that the Roma can see them. So I, I don't really know what we can say about it in terms of what, what they have to do to cut that out. It just seems like you know, we, we've been over it. It seems like a, a mental thing where um, if you come ready for match day and, and you, you're focused for 90 minutes, then you will, you know, you will, um, you won't, you won't see those things. But yeah. uh, um, that uh, we, you know, the the biggest change that they can, the most practical change for me is just making sure that they stay back um, enough times when when they see that attack coming, yeah. that danger coming ahead of time. You know, don't don't leave yourself in a position where you could potentially get outnumbered. Um, but as you said yesterday, Verona didn't look like the most threatening team um, going forward. They, they and, and I think. The, the flurry of goals. I mean, maybe Verona had it in their mind to uh, wait it out and, and mm-hmm. let the let the, the time go by and maybe let the pressure get to Roma as like the more it stays nil nil, the more the, the pressure is on Roma to, to really come for a winner. But getting those early goals and getting them in a flurry in the first half, I think that really took the, the wind out of Verona's sails. So it was it was a bit of a shell shock for them and, and Verona spent the rest of the match thinking about, well, if we get a chance, it'd be nice, but this match is pretty much done and dusted. And uh, yeah. yeah, that was, 
that was that was my feeling on it. I don't know, I don't know how you felt about it. I've, I've finally got the XG up. I, I, yes. I was going to say I have the XG for you here. I, I have two point one eight for Roma and zero point seven three for Verona. Yeah, and I've got Collie's chance at zero point three six for that for that goal that he scored. So that, that was a clear cut chance. That was, mm-hmm. typ- that was typical of the kind of goals that Roma conceded this year. And yet again, that's another one. The you know, Roma. When they concede, they concede only from wide open chances. It's a yeah. terrible habit, but uh, it keeps on going on. <laughs> what do you make of it? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it didn't come to light as much yesterday because of the three nothing lead, and maybe that's why Romo was able to sit back a little more and defend a little bit better uh, the lead like than we've seen in the past because it wasn't like a one nil lead where they feel like they have to get a second goal where the center back still will venture up sometimes. Um, like we see Mancini do, like we see Ibanez do at times. Um, so it could be it could be a combination of things. Um, you know, Roma missed a couple of their own chances to really put the game out of out of, hand, um, out of reach. I know uh, Vertu had an XG of 0.64 yesterday, so he was almost expected to score a goal. I don't remember exactly which chance. I remember Spinazzola having a chance that um, Silvestri made a good save on. So, yeah. you know, the attack was coming from everywhere, but the defend, defensive side, you know, still – a work in progress. We're not going to say they were, uh, you know, perfect yesterday um, by any means, just because they gave the one shot on target. Cause like you said, that one chance was still a fairly clear cut chance. Um, mm. But just speaking about it, XG, since I pulled it up Mancini's XG yesterday was 0.01, which shows that that header oh, really? not really expected yeah. to go in. Kambula gave a nice, almost like a little nudge or screen to uh Ceccarini, I think it was who tried to clear it out. Um, yeah. as it was going through, so I guess give him a. It looked, it looked, it looked more dangerous than that to me. Yeah, it, it looked like when it's when it's when it's the flight of the ball, it like it could hit anyone on the way in. Like it was, it was just that that open to me that it seemed like it, like it could have been a pinball goal, but in, in the end, it just went clean through. But yeah, yeah. No, and he cl- he clearly had Sylvester beat on the play too. Yeah, no point, no one surprises me. Yeah, but anyway, so. I I want to be the first one. Well, I I no, I want to be the one to finally first. Uh, my first time remembering that we have to take a commercial break, so I'm gonna I'm gonna announce it now. <laughs> when we're back, we'll we'll be back with uh, getting into the the nitty gritty of individual performance on the day from Mayoral, Roger Banias, uh, Henrik Mkhitaryan. But stay with us. But first of all, we have to adhere to our sponsors and let them have their moment. So we'll be back right after this break. Okay, we're back and we're ready to get into the key players of Roma Verona. Three uh, one human yesterday. We we were just talking about Roma's attack and how well it's doing this year. So we might as well get into the one of the guys who's been very, very much a part of that, and that is none other than Borja Meirao, involved in all three goals yesterday. He won the corner for the first goal, Ramos opener. He provided the assist for Henrik McTarren at 2-0, and of course, then he managed to get on the score sheet himself for the third. Uh, what do you make of Borja Meirao's continuing antics and his, uh, his on-fire form this, this season, Stephen? Yeah, I mean, very impressive. You mentioned his goals per minute ratio earlier, 81 goal every 81 minutes, which is basically every match he were to start and play a full 90, he's scoring a goal. He's now up to six in the league on the season, along with two assists. He's got three in the Europa League with an assist. So in 23 appearances overall, most of them not starts. I think it's just 11, 12 starts with the Coppa Italia. Um, He's got nine goals, three assists. So, oh, and actually it's only 21 with Roma because the, who scored has his two La Liga bench appearances over here. So oh, yeah. 21 yeah. appearances and he's contributed to, to 12 goals directly between goals and assists. And like we mentioned with the winning, the corner indirectly led to a, a goal. So yeah. um, 
impressive. I, you know, I was a little skeptical of him coming in, but he's he's done nothing but impress me since those first couple rough matches. I saw I saw the headline written last week. I mean, this is obviously just wordplay, but uh, they they use those goals as assist to when you when you bunch them up together, not just the goals but the assists as well. They use that to say that Mkhitaryan is a guy who guarantees you a goal within 90 minutes. So he said that they wrote that. Uh, sorry, not Mkhitaryan, Mayoral. Mayoral, when you step onto the pitch, you're you're effectively already leading one 0 and and the, you know then then the opponent has to play catch up. But does does he feel like that player to you? Because he's not he's not really spoken about as that kind of player. No, he's not spoken about as that kind of player. He's still, I guess, you know, kind of an unknown in some ways because he's still kind of building a reputation. Said yeah, so maybe that's why he doesn't feel like the player that guarantees your goal. Cause the guy that really feels like that this season is obviously Mkhitaryan. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at him with his 17 goals between goals and assists, a goal creation, I guess you could call it, you know, yeah. every time he touches the ball, you think he might have a chance and he looked like he was on yesterday. We'll talk about him in a minute. Um, but Meyer all is, you know, outside of that Copa appearance recently, he's been very hot against Crotone against Spezia. He looked good in the second time around. He looked yeah. great yesterday again. So He's getting hot at the right time. You know, you don't get to a club like Real Madrid. I know it was limited time with Real Madrid without being talented. There's got to be something there for Real Madrid to to give you a chance, even if they did loan him out as a young player. So I think he's starting to come good on some of his talents. You know, he's not going to win a lot of aerials. That's where he kind of lacks as a striker because he's not the biggest striker. Uh, I saw that a little bit yesterday. He didn't really win many of those balls in the air. Um, but with the can, style, can, can he can he grow that side of the game, or do you think that the team has to come closer to to his way of playing? I think because of his size, he doesn't strike me as a guy that can really grow into that area the the mat the game too much, just because he's limited physically in that area in terms of like uh, a, a Jeko or a Lukaku or even an Immobile who are a little bit bigger strikers. Immobile is yeah. not a, as big as those other two, but I feel like they're more well suited for that aerial game. So I think. You know, moving forward, if come summertime, Jekko is at the door and Roma do exercise the Myral option. I do think you need a, a different kind of striker to complement mm. him in the side. Mm. My, my dream, like I've mentioned many times, is Belotti, a, a player like that. Um, right. But right. in terms of this Roma counterattacking style where they, they can just weave in and out of other sides and really break teams down, I think Myral fits it perfectly. Yeah, with the greater movement. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that could be the key against uh, a Juve. Maybe he starts, and if Jekko's fit enough to come off the bench, maybe if you can get a lead, Jekko can kind of help you in the the hold up, up, you hold yeah. up the ball, you know, draw some fouls, things like that. Um, yeah. But if Myral gets the start, which I don't see how he doesn't on Saturday, Chiellini, <laughs> Bonucci, that'll be a test for him. Hey, coach, I only just uh, created and scored three goals for you this week. Am yeah. I in the first team next week? <laughs> yeah, and you're fighting with the other strikers, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, well, what about at the other end of the pitch? We saw Roger Banias, uh to remind us why he's such a hotly desired prospect around Europe. It, it, Roma fielding offers left, right, and center from Premier League and La Liga and all sorts of big offers they've turned down the season for, for their Brazilian defender who was at the heart of the defense yesterday and slotted in there seamlessly. Uh, he didn't allow Kevin Lasagna or Nikola Kanic any, any space to hurt Roma. They, they considered that, that one clear-cut chance, but that was from a colleague. Um, so Abanez, uh, is he, is he going to be at the heart of the midfield next, next, next week? Um, if Smalling is out, I think he, he, I think he should start in the center of the defense. Like we mentioned, maybe Cristante has more of a role in the midfield. Um, but I thought he showed us why he is so highly regarded yesterday. Um, his pace was, you know, Lasagna is a very fast player. When he came in, there was 
one spot where I think he outpaced um, Ibanez, but it was more toward the corner. So it wasn't like a, a play where he was going in on goal. Um, and I think he showed why he's so good. You know, he had a tackle, a couple interceptions, some clearances, a couple blocks, you know, um, his, he, he likes to distribute from the back. We've seen his passing ability. So he was able to, to pass out of the back a little bit. Um, yeah. I, I think he is the type of player that can grow into that center of a back three of a defense very well. If he's playing there more, uh, I know he's been okay. shifted out left because of Smalling's presence, which makes sense because Smalling is uh, more of a typical center back, but I think Ibanez can grow into that center of a back three role. I remember in the um, summer when I compared him to like a future comparison on our, you know, under 23 countdown, it was kind of that Bonucci comparison because of his ball playing ability um yeah. but i think he can be a better defender than bonucci from what i've seen yeah by far in my opinion but i uh, it's always curious to me that we've actually been fielding him out wide either on the left or the right of the defensive mm-hmm. three when actually his agent said that he's best in a, in a, in a back four so you know and that's that's kind of the role that we've given to chris morning who is used to being in the back four you know, mm. we fit him in the center so that he, he only has to worry about covering behind the space behind either his his two defensive mates we haven't given that privilege to Roger Banya so far, and yet, nonetheless, despite making him learn these these different movements, that okay, he, he took on Atlanta as a reserve, but uh, apparently he, he prefers to play in the back four with greater responsibility. Um, you know, we, we haven't given him that that spotlight so far. Now, as you're saying, he, he's coming to the heart of defense yesterday, and has shined. So maybe he would find it easier, even easier there. Not not that he needs it easy because he's he's been impressive so far, but maybe he would. Uh, really surprises even more from from the heart of the events maybe positionally too would be a little easier because we've seen him get pulled out of position on the left against um Sevilla and against Lazio so maybe that center more defensive role where he can just kind of play those balls out of the back without wandering too far forward might be good for a player like him who can get adventure at times more of a more of a classic libero defender from the 90s Mm -hmm. in that sense but yeah we'll talk about his uh his defensive partner Mancini who uh, what well, one guy he he had he had the responsibility of um, marking out Matias Zakani, who has been attracting a lot of a lot of headlines for his play this season. The, the surprise package from this Verona team of this season. Um, I saw him against AC Milan Zakani, and he was very very impressive. Mm-hmm. But then then I looked him up afterwards and realized he's already 25, which I suppose um, doesn't make you old. You're still in your prime, but it's if it's taken him this long to get this far, it seems like he's more of a you know, there's kind of guys like Politano or, or you know, well, I don't know who else you could put in that bracket, but those guys who have maybe one or two good seasons and then they, you know, they've, they get their big pay packet and then they, they, they ease off a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know. He, he's been linked with all sorts of the clubs, including Roma, but I, I don't really fancy Roma signing him based off just one hot season. And, and he was kept quiet yesterday by Gianluca Mancini, who had a, a good game across the board, despite that that goal conceded to Colley in the in that one on one. So, um, what would you make of Mancini? Is he uh, is he you know is he is he maturing as a player? Is this is this the, the settled Gianluca Mancini that we're, we've been waiting for? Yeah, I was very impressed with Mancini yesterday, and actually, right before he uh, gave up the goal, I had responded to someone's tweet about Zakani being quieter, and it was I, I mentioned <laughs> Man- Mancini's physicality really taking him off his game. I. You know, Mancini fouled him a couple times early in the match, not to the extent that he got yellow carded, which I think is a little bit of a sign of maturity because we've seen him in the past have issues with yellow cards. Um, five so far this season, which is why he was suspended last match. But halfway through the season, it's not the end of the world to have five yellow cards. We know there's 
Pellegrini just picked up his fifth yesterday and there's a couple players on four. So he's not out of the ordinary there with five yellows. And mm. yesterday he was very impressive. And I thought his physicality early on with Zakanyi took Zakanyi off his game a bit. Uh, he had five interceptions, three tackles, three clearances, uh, won a couple aerial duels, of course had the goal, but also his packs passing was actually a little bit better than Ibanez yesterday. Cause he had four accurate long balls out of seven. Ibanez had two out of seven. Um, and he had the best passing percentage in the team at 91.5%, obviously with the defender, sometimes that gets driven up a bit because they, they complete those kind of short passes to the midfielder to yeah. their partners, but four accurate long balls is, is also a strong number. And he did. That doesn't, doesn't surprise me. That's always been yeah. my favorite part of Mancini's game. He's, yeah. he's an excellent passer, an excellent ball player. Um, so he showed his all around game as to why Roma picked him up last year. This is the type of defender you wanted. And, I love his physical presence, especially when he harnesses it to the point yesterday where he took a, a top attacking player off his game for the other team yeah. uh, without yeah. getting himself in yellow card trouble. I think that was the best part yeah. of it. If you, if you can take it to the limit but not go over it, then mm-hmm. yeah, you, you've reached that point where you're a mature player. Um, going back to the other end of the pitch, we've got to talk about the man of the moment, the man of the season so far, Henrik Mkhitaryan, who... Today, we've just seen the headline that Roma have exercised their option to extend Mkhitaryan's contract for another another season. And on this form, who would argue with that? So um, it's really up to Henrik Mkhitaryan to now agree uh, um, to sign the contract, really, and, and make sure he's happy with the wages he's on right now. Um, but another, another year of Mkhitaryan would go down fine with me. What about you, Steve? Yeah, sign me up. I mean, even if he's in a little bit more of a reduced role to save his legs as he gets older... The form he's on has been outstanding. We, we know he missed a, a match or two recently with the uh, the little injury issue, but he came back strong yesterday. He looked hungry for a goal. He, he found a goal. He was dangerous on the, you know, the attack, uh, dribbling at players, making passes. Uh, and that's the player Rome is going to need next week, especially with Pellegrini's absence in the attacking midfield. He's going to, I think he's going to have to be the straw that stirs the Roma drink uh, in attack to help Meyer all help whoever else is up there with him, whether it's VR or whatever route. Uh, Fonseca goes because they're going to need a, a dangerous attack to combat Juve, who's won five out of six uh, in the league. Yeah, they're, they're coming back. They, it's not quite the the same level of comeback as Massimiliano Allegri's uh, debut season with Juve, where they, they were 12th at one point in the winter and then came back to win 25 of 26 games, a ridiculous amount of points gained mm-hmm. uh, on on. Back, coming back to win the trophy that season uh, they they won more more points in that run of games in spring and and yeah and sorry end of winter and spring than napoli did the whole season that season um but andrea pillow has uh gotten off to a better start than allegri's debut season and uh i don't know if he can actually steer the team to a ridiculous amount of wins um this spring but uh it's not going to be easy next week against Juve, who, who just breathing down Roma's necks in the table with that game in hand of course um, so what we're going to look forward to right now is that game at the Allianz Arena. Uh, at the time we're speaking with you right now, Roma are still third on 40 points, but Juve are right behind on 39. And yes, having played the game less, that game against Napoli scheduled on February the 13th. Um, it has to be said that this is a particular run of games coming up for Juve because they have the Coppa Italia doubleheader against Inter Milan this week. Uh, they'll play They'll play Inter before they play Roma at home. Um, and then even after Roma, they have to think about playing that re, re, you know, uh, that recoup game against Napoli. So they're, they're facing nothing but heavy hitters in this, uh, this February uh, going into Valentine's Day. Can there be heartbreak coming up for Juve 
um, this this February, or will it be Roma crying by the by the end of uh, February fourteenth, Steve? Yeah, it, it's certainly going to be a tough tough match going up to the Allianz. Roma is going to have to put that two two draw from the uh, second week of the season behind them in the sense that they blew a two one lead, but also take um, some solace in the fact that they were able to get a point off Juve when we didn't know Juve was going to be a struggling side for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and take a little confidence from that to know they can get a result against Juve, I think is important. Um, you know, and the fact that Juve it has Roma sandwiched between both legs of the Coppa Italia against Inter because they played this Tuesday and then next Tuesday, I think is could be could play into Roma's favor because Juve will have to throw out most of their big guns, I'd imagine, in the Coppa here in the semifinals. And I'm sure Pirlo is going to want to win a trophy his first season, especially with the Scudetto a little further out of reach than many probably would have expected from Juve, not out of the realm of possibility for sure. Um, still second favorites in a lot of the projections I've seen, but I think Roma again, could be do, in a... Do, do, emotion, on the emotional level, imagine you're, you're a Juventus fan right now. Would you rather win 10 in a row, which is an impressive feat, never been done before, or would you rather win the Coppa Italia? At this point, at this point oh, of the season, I mean, I think hands down, you you want to win the Scudetto above all else, and of course, the Champions League is their ultimate goal because that's the that's the one that's eluded them in these nine years. Yeah. Uh, but I think, but, from, I mean, but what what I mean is, at this point in the season, with with the league looking less likely, uh, would you would you would you go for the safer bet, the Copa, or, or would you just risk it all for that that chance at history? Yeah, that's tough. I, but I think from a, a Pirlo perspective, I think if you're Andrea Pirlo and you saw what happened to Saudi last year, he got canned after winning a Scudetto. I think mm-hmm. he's going to have to, he might have a little more leeway because he is a club legend at this point, but mm-hmm. I think he's going to have to come close at least to winning something to keep his job. Okay. I know it's a team in transition a bit, um, yeah. but I think, you know, he's got to be looking at that, that game on Tuesday with the eye on winning the Copa and, Inter is their biggest challenger for the Scudetto. Inter, um, besides Milan playing well, obviously, but on paper, I think Inter is the biggest challenger uh, in terms of roster depth and things like that going, going into the season, going a little bit further mm-hmm. with, uh, without the Champions League and things like that. But, um, you know, Inter beat them recently. I think, you know, Juve is going to be out for blood a bit. And if Inter finds a way to beat them again this Tuesday, and really that, that could hurt Juve's... Uh, confidence a bit heading into the Rome match not that you know they're an amateur side that might get too downtrodden but maybe it could be something yeah. to just you know take a little Listen wind down, out yeah. their sails a bit because yeah. they have won five out of six in the league since 2021 kicked off we mentioned um the only loss being to Inter they they did advance two rounds in the Coppa Italia since then as well so they've been in pretty good form uh so anything that can help Roma I'll take it you know whether it's a little bit of more fatigue because they're playing Tuesday and we're not um you mm-hmm. know take a little rest away from them uh, maybe Inter gets a little physical with them, gives them a couple knocks here and there, or they, they do lose, even though it's a two-legged affair. Maybe it takes a little window of their sales. Anything to help Roma, I'll take at this point. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't know what mentality I'd rather face the Juventus in if, if I'd rather they win or, or lose against Inter. Because if, the, if they lose again, yes, the doubts could creep in, but also they could just be even more angry. And yeah. take it out on Roma. Yeah. You know? So uh, I don't know. I, I guess I'm not thinking too much into into that cup game, even though I, I agree with you. I see the value of the cup for Pirlo because there's nothing like getting a trophy on board for for the younger players to get on your side and, and really believe in you as a coach and and buy into your into your long term plan. Like players like Will McKenney, you know, if he mm-hmm. if he leads with the cup winners medal at the end of the season and he's feeling like he's part of the club, 
Um, and then there's, there's the young players that he's been testing out wide, Pirlo. So, um, yeah, I definitely see the value of the Copa for, for Pirlo. Um, I, I just hope that Roma make the most of that, uh, that extra rest period that they have this week. And yeah. They had to get, uh, they had to crash out against Spezia to earn this, this week off. So he might as well make the most of it. Um, there was, um, yeah, I, I was going to ask you, so let's say our dream scenario happens next week and we, we win at the NS arena for, for the second time in a row, it has to be said, because we won there last season. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, let's say it happens this, this time. What, what are the headlines written afterwards? Do, do we just say Roma haven't beaten a top three team yet? Or do we say Roma <laughs> beat Juventus? I, I mean, I think if Roma beat Juventus, a, a, anybody in the Roman media that's a Roma supporter and not a Lazio supporter has got to go with the positive spin of, of beating yeah. Juventus. I mean, Roma, I think I read the last time they beat Juventus in a meaningful game of the, uh, up in Turin was like 2012 or 2014. I think it was before the Allianz even opened. Um, so, and, and it obviously no fans in the stands uh, should, should play into Rome's hands just a little bit because you don't have that in- intimidation factor of the crowd uh, there. But, you know, if they can beat Juventus, that could be the thing that gets Roma over this mental hurdle of not beating top sides. You know, they finished the month with Milan. Uh, Roma could find themselves a little bit more in the mix of the top three if they can beat Juve and Milan this month, you know, it, it, with the, as wacky as this season is, I, you know, on paper, Roma's not a Scudetto contender. I'm not going to say they are, but you never know what could happen with a couple wins against some of these bigger clubs, the way we've seen some of these big clubs drop points to smaller teams, which Roma so far has not done yet. So it uh, could be very interesting and it, it would give them a nice little cushion, you know, game with hand, in game in hand notwithstanding but you know yeah. in that match either Juve or Napoli has to drop a point or two or three yeah. depending on how it he'd, happens you'd be, be, be sitting back watching that game a lot more comfortable yeah because then even if Juve yeah. wins the match in hand Roma still has a point advantage on them so this yeah. this could be huge for Roma yeah well finally our last point before we sign off is um what what do you think is going to happen with Jekyll? Is he is he going to figure as part of this game? Like you mentioned, he might come off the bench and and in in a dream scenario uh, work as a hold up player with Roma ahead in the match. But um, right now we're we're starting off at nil nil. So do you, do you bank on Jekyll in any big way, or or do you, do you think that he still has to resolve his uh, his role at the club? I'll, I'll just mention that today he was photographed uh, welcoming mm-hmm. uh, two thousand three born midfielder. Benjamin Tahirovic, a fellow Bosnian player who's uh, going to slot into the Primavera squad. So, you know, Dzeko very much um, putting himself about the cameras and, and making sure with a smile on his face that he's um, acting as the as the club captain right now by welcoming new players. It, he was in the stands with for the Verona game, mm-hmm. celebrating with Reynolds and, and El Shawari. So, um, you know, it seems like a Dzeko who isn't as unprofessional as, as some parts of the media are making him out to be. What, what do you make of it all? Yeah, I, I, you know, seeing the past couple of weeks of what's been going on with him in terms of being in the stands and supporting the club, um, you know, if he was in that bad standing with Fonseca that he was frozen out of the team, he wouldn't have been in the stand yesterday uh, yeah. meeting Reynolds. I mean, El Shirari, he obviously knows from the past, but, you know, introducing himself to Reynolds celebrating the goals i feel like some of it's a little overblown i'm sure him and fonseca have some sort of disagreement but is it as uh you know unable to be reconciled as the media is portraying i don't think so especially now that the the window is closed um i don't see why he wouldn't want to reintegrate himself into the team and be a part of a team that has a chance to make the champions league uh they're still in play in the europa league i'm sure he wants to leave his 
his his legacy at Roma in a positive way now that this hopefully is past him. And mm. one idea that came into my mind, and I don't know how fit he is at this point because you know he has been individual training the past week, is could we see a, a three four one two scenario where Mkhitaryan slots in behind him and Meyer all if he's fit? So you get the mm. experience factor on the pitch. That was another idea that came to my head. Because we've seen both him and Myral can play other players in on goal. So maybe the two of them could play off each other. Maybe this would be the match to try it just because they're a little shorter in the attacking midfield. I don't know, but... Um, that was interesting. Right. Yeah. Interesting. I, I, that was an idea I fancied at the beginning of the season though, yeah. and it never happened. But yeah, I, I, I don't see why Jekyll and Meral couldn't complement each other. I, I guess maybe if Fonseca is worried about what you do when it's... 70 minutes deep and, and who do you bring off the bench yeah and you, you, you're worried about the score at that point because you, you, you inevitably end up changing the makeup of the team when you when you sub one of the three players off yeah uh, which would usually be Jacko. um so that could be the maybe, El Shirari, maybe, uh 20 minute cameo ah yeah yeah now he's got that maybe uh maybe Myral could play the kind of the, the Lautaro role to um Jekko's Lukaku role Lukaku. you know yeah I don't know it could be a possibility you know you might want to pull out a, uh something to to throw a kink into things against Pirlo maybe throw Pirlo off his game a little bit as a young manager I don't know it was just something yeah. that came across my mind even before you had mentioned VR so I wouldn't be surprised but you know I like I like that idea especially with El Shirari is that that card in the pocket so yeah I will see if Fonseca can surprise us but uh that about wraps it up for this week we are Going to be looking forward to that game next weekend. And we'll also have our, our chief editor, Bren, appearing on the, with the Enemy Camp on the Juve podcast. So if you want to catch uh, Black, White and Red all over this week, you'll, you'll, you'll catch Bren uh, running down and previewing the game there and uh, hopefully giving a good account of our, our Roma hopes and, and dreams going into this game. But uh, we'll just take, uh, I think we'll take third place in the win. We're not yeah. asking for much. Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> and uh, also keep an eye out as we're going to try to get together a uh, winter market uh, recap pod uh, coming up later in the week. So keep an eye out for that and keep an eye out for all of our UVA coverage coming up later in the week. Anything you want to leave us with, Sean? No, I think I'm, I'm spent for this one. Um, I think, uh, yeah, that wraps it up. And as always, as always uh, you can catch up uh, on our podcasts on all the major networks, Spotify, Apple, Apple Podcasts, Google, and whenever you have any feedback for us, please reach us at the KZTOTI Twitter or KZTOTI.com. You're always welcome at the forum. Uh, everyone's welcome to have their say. And yeah, uh, with that said, bye for now.